Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. So all I'm saying is this, did anybody come hungry for a word this Wednesday evening? And whoever's joining us online, I want you to get ready, get your heart prepared. Whatever you got to do, take notes. And also, if this is your first, second, or third time here, uh, we are a passionate church. You can respond when it comes to God's word. And God's deposited and put a word in my heart. And I want to do my best just to deliver it uh, with excellence, with with clarity. And I want to be very specific because I felt like God spoke to me this Wednesday evening. And I believe that this isn't just a message or a, uh, a word, but this is actually a prophetic word for somebody this Wednesday evening. I'm going to say that one more time. I believe that this is a prophetic word for somebody this Wednesday evening. And if you, okay, we're we're just going to go into it. Anybody ready for God's word? We're going to be covering a lot of ground tonight, so don't worry about standing. We're going to be taking a look at 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 14. But before we do, I want to give you guys a little bit of context. Don't read it yet, so that way you kind of understand what's, what's going on. Is it cool if we have like a Bible study tonight just a little bit? I have a lot of information, a lot of things I want to share, but it's all relevant to where we're headed. Um, But thank you, thank you, worship team. Come on, can you all give them a hand clap, worship team, drummer, piano player, bass, Gary, all of you guys, Allison, Venus, you guys sounded great. Thank you for leading us in worship. Um, But we're going to be taking a look at the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha, and I did not say the same name twice. In the book of 2 Kings, there are two, uh, there, there are two people. One is, one is named Elijah with a J and Elijah with an S-H. And I get in the bad habit, especially once I get into it and there's different names, where I can mix words together. And I don't want to do that. So if you hear me say Elijah and Elisha and I get it mixed up, don't give me too much of a hard time. It's, it's complicated within itself, okay? That makes sense? But there's two guys. One's name is Elijah with a J and the other one's name is an Elijah with an SH. Elijah is a major prophet in the Bible. In fact, God used anybody tracking me this Wednesday evening. Elijah, if you study the story of Elijah, it's an incredible story. God used him to perform phenomenal miracles. For example, whenever he was faced against 450 false prophets of Baal, it says that he called fire down from heaven. When's the last time that you did that in your prayer time? Come on, somebody. The Bible is not boring. Or, or he raised a young boy back from the dead. And God used Elijah in so many significant ways. Elijah, the one with the J, was the older one. And it says that Elisha, he was younger, and he was a young farmer. He tilled the field. And it says that while Elisha was in the field, he was taking care of his house, of the agriculture, that he saw Elijah. And God called Elisha to follow after Elijah. So Elijah sat underneath, Elisha sat underneath Elijah's tutelage. In other words, Elijah with the J was the mentor over Elisha. And I want to say this real quick because I think it's very important. I think it's really important for all of us to have a mentor and a role model in our life. Like, I think it's so important for you to have someone that you go to for wisdom, for guidance, for counsel, that you know loves you and you know that loves God. You know, I've mentored people in my life that are way younger than me, but even people that are older than me. And I've heard someone say it like this, you can either learn from mistakes or you can learn from a mentor. 
So I want to encourage you, if you don't have a mentor, like whatever arena of life that you're in, whether it's for business or, or for, for God, whatever it is, I want to encourage someone to find a mentor. So Elijah is a, Elijah is a student of Elijah. And, and, and here's the thing you got to know about Elijah. Elijah gets called by God to get, pretty much, God takes Elijah to heaven early. It says that God takes Elijah to heaven before he's dead. He's one of the only two people in Scripture that get taken to heaven before he dies, along with Enoch. And, and it says that before God does this, Elijah knows this and decides to follow after Elijah and not let his eyes off of him. And before Elijah gets taken up, they go on a journey, because that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. It says that they go on a journey to four different locations. And, he, and Elijah, before Elijah gets taken to heaven, he asks Elijah, what do you want? If there's one thing you want, like, what do you want? And it says that Elijah responds to Elijah by saying, I want a double portion of your anointing. I want a double portion of your spirit. And, and we're going to be following after that. And it says that Elijah... He says that Elijah gets taken up to heaven, and Elijah grabs the cloak. He grabs the mantle. He grabs the robe of Elijah that falls down, and he grabs it, and he, and he catches that double portion. And the only thing, I want to say this real quick. As I speak tonight, I believe that some things are going to be dropped from this platform. Some things are going to be said, and all you got to do is grab it this Wednesday evening, and you can claim it. I'm telling you right now. If that's for you, I mean, I'm just telling you to do that. That's it. All right, so we're going to go ahead and read it. I know that's a lot, but you kind of, that making sense to you guys? Okay, cool. All right, so we're going to be reading it in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, and it says this, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elijah were on their way from Gilgal. Can somebody say Gilgal? It's important. We're going to talk about it in a bit. Elijah, Elijah said to Elijah, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. Somebody say Bethel. But Elijah said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. So they're on this journey. They stop at four different places. God's about to take up Elijah. But before they do, Elijah has to run some errands, and Elijah's following after him. And it says that whenever they get to Bethel, um, that some of the prophets there, some of the people there said, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today, talking to Elijah? And Elijah said, yes, I know, so be quiet. Then Elijah, I love that, right? <laughs> And you'll see this again. Elijah said to him, stay here, Elijah. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. <laughs> Somebody say Jericho. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elijah and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to, to the Jordan. Somebody say the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. So Elisha tells Elijah, I'm following you to the very end. You're about to be taken away. I'm not going to let you out of my sight. So here's what happens. It says that when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And this is what Elijah says. He says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elijah replied, <clears throat> Elijah replied, you have, you have asked a difficult thing. And did I get the two Elijahs mixed up right there? Are we still good? Okay, cool. So I may have got them mixed up already, okay? So Elijah, older one, okay, cool. All right. <clears throat> Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses, uh, horses of fire, and I'm almost done, 
appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up into in, a heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, my father. Okay, so I'm doing good. My father, chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took hold of the garments and tore it in two. Elijah then picked up Elijah's cloak that he had fallen from him, and we're almost done, and he went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked, when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Somebody say he crossed over. So long story short, Elijah asked Elijah for a double portion. Here's what gets me about that. Here's what I love about that. Elijah could have asked Elijah for anything else. He could have asked him for more money. He could have asked him for a house. He could have asked him for fame. He could have asked him for popular. He could probably could have even asked him for, any, for more stuff. But it says that Elijah asked Elijah for a double portion of his anointing. See, Elijah recognized that what was on Elijah's life was something that money could not buy. How many people know that there's some things in life that money cannot buy? But Elijah knew that if he had the same anointing, the double portion of the anointing that was on Elijah's life, that everything else that he needed in life would be met. And here's how Elijah responded to Elijah whenever he asked him for a double portion of the anointing. He said this. He said, you have asked for a hard thing. Somebody say you've asked for a hard thing. And I was thinking, when's the last time that we've asked, ask yourself this question, when's the last time that you asked God for a hard thing? When's the last time that you asked God for a hard thing or a double portion and whenever I talk about a double portion, I'm talking about God's abundant blessings. But this is what I've noticed. Sometimes we just ask God to do minor and little things in our life. And we settle for the bare minimum instead of asking God for something big, major, and next level. And we forget that we serve a God of the double portion. But I want to encourage someone in here this Wednesday evening to stop praying just minor surface level prayers. I want to encourage you in this next season that you're in right now, in this season, the next season, to start believing in God and start praying and asking God for bigger and better things than where you're at right now. That's good stuff. But here's what's interesting. Before Elijah could receive a double portion of the anointing, he had to go on a journey with Elijah. And in fact, it says that they stopped at four places. Somebody say they stopped at four places. And what I want to do right now, I want to show y'all a map on the screen right here. This is actually a satellite image of the path and the journey that Elijah and Elijah took. It says that they went to Gilgal. And the back of your Bible may have a map, kind of similar like this. But it says that they went from, from Gilgal to Bethel, then from Bethel to Jericho, then they went from Jericho to the Jordan. And you need to understand that each one of these places are highly significant in Israel's uh, history. They're highly significant. And in fact, every time that they went to a new place, they, they, they went from Gilgal to Bethel, um, Elijah had an opportunity to stay where he was at and not follow after Elijah. He had an opportunity to not follow after him. And what I want to do tonight, I want to talk about 
each stop and the significance of that. But before we do, I want to speak prophetically to someone because I believe that God wants to bless some of you with a double portion. I'm going to say that one more time. I, don't want you to, I want you to ask like you just caught it right now. I believe that God wants to bless some of you this Wednesday evening with a double portion. But you need to understand this, that there is a path and there is a journey that you have to go on in order for you to step into more, that there is a map to more. In fact, that's the message title, all of that leading up to that longest introduction ever. The sermon title for this Wednesday evening is The Map to More. Somebody say The Map to More. Awesome. Now, anybody in here, just kind of transition because I want to make a point. Anybody in here a big fan of road trips? Anybody like traveling? I talked to someone recently at the church. They have an RV and they love Now, I would much rather fly than go in a car and sit in there for a long time. And the funny thing is, the ironic thing is, tomorrow I'm actually going to be leaving to go to Searcy, Arkansas to go meet up with other student pastors, and it's about a 10-hour trip. So y'all need to pray for me, guys. I'm telling you. Like, I don't know if you get car sick easy or not, but as as we were getting prepared for this trip, and I'm taking another previous student of mine who's now going to Bible college, Josh Sanchez, with me. And, and we're going to be going to Cersei, but it's about a 10-hour trip. And as I was getting ready for this trip, I looked at all the different alternate routes that we could take, the different ways that we can get to Cersei, Arkansas. It's a 10-hour trip, but if we avoided and we didn't want to pay tolls or go through highways, it would take that 10-hour trip and make it into a 12-hour trip. And I don't, I don't know about you, like, you may not like paying tolls, but how many people know that paying tolls can save you a lot of time, especially going through big, you know, big cities and stuff. And, and I saw a video recently that just, like, it was crazy to see the links that people go to to avoid tolls. Can you check out this video real quick and those that are joining us all? No one likes paying tolls when they're traveling down the highway, but it's something all drivers have to do. After all, it pays to maintain roads and bridges. But when Lisa Guerrero hit the road with the police, she discovered some drivers are going to extreme measures to become toll cheaters. We all hate paying tolls, but everyone does it. Well, almost everyone. Take a look at these drivers going to outrageous lengths to avoid paying tolls. This guy's hanging off the back of a car to block the license plate from cameras designed to catch motorists zooming past toll booths without paying. Who's that in the trunk? While it may seem funny, toll cheaters cost us tens of millions of dollars in lost revenue every year. Dollars in lost revenue every year. Can somebody say, don't be that person? Tell the person next to you, don't be that person. And then, oh my gosh, it's crazy. And later on in that Inside Edition, they, they, they go on the road with, with a state trooper and they catch people. Like, it's a live thing and they catch people and people have all these contraptions. Don't get any ideas, okay? Because these people, they got caught and now they're facing like getting their license taken away or whatever. Okay, th- the whole point of that is this. I've learned that some people, they love to travel, but they don't like to pay the price. And a lot of us love the idea of receiving a double portion and walking into more that God has for us, his abundance, his abundant blessings. A lot of us, everybody may want more. They want to step into more. They want to live the abundant life that Jesus has promised them. But a lot of people aren't willing to pay the price to go there. A lot of people don't want to take the path. They don't want to take the journey to go there. 
And my job tonight is to tell you what needs to be done in order for you to step into more. And, and get this, for Elijah, if you want to go into more, anybody want to follow me on this journey a little bit as we go to each location together? Okay, cool. So here's how we get into more. For Elijah, it started whenever he chose to follow after Elijah and keep his eyes on Elijah. Elijah. In fact, he didn't take his eyes off of Elijah. He stayed focused on Elijah. And I want to say this real quick. In order for us to step into more, we have to be sure that we keep our eyes on Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, stay focused. You want to know something interesting? A 100-watt light bulb, guys, a 100-watt light bulb, that can light up a room. If it's in the middle of a room, it will light it up. But if you take that same energy and that same power and concentrate it and focus it together and make it into a laser, that same power can actually cut through metal. 100 watt, 100 watt laser, 100, light, 100 watt light bulb. The, the difference is not the power, it's the focus and how one is concentrated. And if you want to stay, if you want to be effective, I want to encourage someone to stay focused. No matter what season in life you may be going in right now, or what the season of life you may be in right now, whether rich or poor, healthy, unhealthy, good or bad, I just want to encourage somebody to stay focused on Jesus Christ. No matter what, keep like get that. He's who we're going towards. He's the one that we're following. And what I want us to do, I want us to take a look at the four places that Elijah and Elijah stopped at and see their significance. The first place that we see that Elijah and Elijah stopped at is Gilgal. Can somebody say Gilgal? See, and, and, and in order for you to step into more, you have to go through Gilgal. So what does this place represent? Somebody say, what does this mean? What does it mean? And it's okay, like, once again, we're going to have a little Bible study tonight, because sometimes in order for you to understand, sometimes in order for you to understand what something means in Scripture, you need to use the law, something called the law of first mention. And what that means is, is that when you want to see what God feels about something, and how God feels about something, you got to go to where God first mentions it, and it will tell you what you need to know about it. That makes sense to somebody this Wednesday evening? If we want to know what this place represents and what it means, what it symbolizes, we have to go back to when God first mentioned it and what context it was in. So if you want to understand what Gilgal is, we first see Gilgal in the book of Joshua. See, after the nation of Israel escaped 400 years of slavery from Egypt, they spent 40 years in the wilderness, and it says that they crossed the Jordan River. And you know the first place that they, they camped out at whenever they crossed the Jordan River? It, it, it was actually Gilgal. They would cross the Jordan River, and they would stop at Gilgal. And that actually became Israel's headquarters as they conquered the Promised Land. As Joshua and the army and the nation of Israel would go out and conquer cities, they would come back to this place called Gilgal. They would refresh themselves, they would gather themselves, and then they would go back out and they would come back. It was the first place that they actually set up camp at uh, whenever they crossed the Jordan River. So Gilgal is actually a place of a fresh start. Can somebody say it? Gilgal is a place of a fresh start? It's a fresh start. See, when they first got to, get, got to Gilgal, this is what God told Joshua. He said this to them in Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal till this day. So we want to step into more. The first place where we have to go through 
is Gilgal. And it says that God said he had rolled away the reproach of Egypt and from them in Gilgal. And I don't want you to miss this. The reason that the previous generation couldn't enter into the promised land, they couldn't cross the Jordan River, and they had to spend 40 years in the desert, even though that they, 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 went, they, got a, they, they escaped captivity from Egypt 400 years, they couldn't go into the promised land. It wasn't because they, they got out of Egypt. It, it was because Egypt couldn't get out of them. See, you can be taken out of Egypt and still have the Egypt inside of you. See, and so when God said he had rolled away the reproach of Egypt, what that meant was that the past of Egypt, the mindset, the attitude, the ways of Egypt, the culture, everything that they had learned throughout the years, all those decades and decades, had been rolled away. That's what Gilgal means. It had been rolled away, and they had a fresh start. All I'm trying to say is this, that whenever you receive Jesus Christ in your life, he forgives you of all the sins, all the mistakes all the failures of the past and he gives you a fresh start and he takes you out of darkness into his marvelous light and he did that for you not to go back there he gives us all a fresh start in life Gilgal means you've come to a place in your life that God rolls away the reproach of your past in other words there are some things in your yesterday that you have to keep in your yesterday there are some things in your yesterday that you have to keep in your yesterday, things you have to leave in yesterday. And the problem is, this is the problem. Some of us are trying to carry our yesterday and our past into our tomorrow. A lot of us are trying to carry our past into the future. But God has made you new, and you don't have to let the past mistakes or past mindsets dictate your future. Ask yourself this question. What's in your past that you keep trying to drag into your future? Because you cannot step into a double portion. You cannot step into more if you're constantly holding on to things that God has already released you from. And what I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes we allow our past to dictate our future a lot of times. And we step into something new with the same mindset, with the same motive, with, with the same heart. Because we haven't allowed God to, we haven't fully surrendered it to God. And what happens is we find ourselves in a situation where we experience the same problems. Many of us go from one relationship to the next relationship to the next person or, or to the next church. Come on, somebody. Or to the next church. And we're having the same issues all the time. And we can't figure out what's wrong. Could it be possible that if you're having the same issues at, the, at all these different places, that the problem isn't other people. But maybe it's something inside of you. But I have some good news for you. Whenever you accept Jesus. Jesus Christ in your life. You don't have to surrender and live off of your previous nature that you have, off of your carnality and what you see, what you hear, what you feel, but you can surrender your desires to God, and God can give you a new mind. He can give you new desires. He can give you a new heart. He can give you a new perspective. All I'm saying is this. God has taken some of us out of something that was enslaving us, keeping us captive, holding us back, and he's brought us into his marvelous light. He's brought us into Gilgal, and we're still thinking about the past mistakes that we've made, and we're saying to ourselves, I can't step into my future but because of, because of what I've done. But I came to let somebody know this, Sunday, uh, this Wednesday night that whenever you accept Jesus, you're covered by the blood, and it's been gone. You've been bought for a price. You are forgiven. Thank you, God. In other words, the past was rolled away. They had a fresh start, 
And you need to understand they have a fresh start in Jesus. If you want to step into more this Wednesday, I want you to understand this, that you have a fresh start in God. And go forward. Don't keep on going backwards. Don't keep on going backwards. Maybe you, you felt like you had a fresh start. You felt like God did forgive you, and, and you felt like you were doing good for a bit, and then you fell off. You made a mistake, and, and, and you don't know what to do. And it reminds me of whenever I travel sometimes, because I will follow Apple Maps. And I don't know about you, but especially in a bigger city, sometimes I will miss the turn on the highway. And I'll miss the turn. I'll miss the turn. But I, I thank God for the UE. Because no matter how many times I make a mistake and miss it, all it takes is one decision to get back on track. And I want to tell somebody this Wednesday evening as you're traveling right now in life, you, have made, you may have made a million mistakes, but all it takes is one decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you're going to be right back on track. Somebody say Gilgal. If we want to step into more, receive a double portion, it starts at a place of a fresh start. The second place I want us to take a look at is Bethel, because it says that they go, show the map again, they go from Gilgal to Bethel. What does Bethel mean? So the first time that we see Bethel mentioned is in Genesis chapter 12, verse 8. It says this in Genesis chapter 12, verse 8. It says, from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, talking about Abraham, he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and on, I, on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. See, get this. So Bethel, this is where Abraham calls on the name of the Lord. And he also calls on the name of the Lord in Bethel in Genesis chapter 13. And then in Genesis chapter 28, his grandson Jacob had an encounter with God in Bethel and called on the name of the Lord. And because they called on the name of the Lord, they had an encounter with God. In fact, Jacob, he lays down, he sleeps on a rock, puts his head on a rock, and God gives him a dream. God gives him a vision. He had an encounter with God that completely changed the trajectory of his life, just like it did for Abraham whenever he called on the name of the Lord. See, Bethel is known as the house of God, and Bethel represents having an encounter with God. And if you want to have a double portion, you must be hungry to have an encounter with God. See, the problem in today's culture is that we're afraid to have an encounter with God, call on God, or yield to him, because we're afraid that whenever we have an encounter with God or we hear the voice of God sometimes, that God's going to tell us to do something or go somewhere that we really don't feel like going. A lot of times, don't be afraid of that, because I can tell you one thing. If there's one thing I've discovered about Jesus, it's this, that where Jesus wants to take you, wherever that may be, is a thousand a hundred times better than anywhere else that you've ever been. It's way better. Somebody say it's way better. And I don't know where you are right now, but I want more of Jesus. I want, Je I want Jesus more than anything else that this world has to offer. And, and God is calling all of us to have an encounter with him. But a lot of people stop by just having one account encounter with God. But God doesn't want you just to have one encounter with his Holy Spirit. God wants you to have many encounters with his Holy Spirit throughout the course of your life. See, it's not God's will for us to, to come to church, raise our hands one time, feel the goosebumps on our skin, walk out and say, God is real. God is alive. Like, okay, like, I, I believe in God now. I'm a believer. 
No, that's not God's will. God wants us to be in a place, in a position where we go from encounter to encounter, from experience to experience, and we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're desperate. And sometimes in order for you to see that and do that, you have to come back to the altar sometimes. Oh, come on, somebody. Sometimes in order for you to have that experience and encounter, you have to get desperate and humble enough where you get on your knees You rededicate your life to the Lord, and you say, God, fill me once again. God, I want to experience a touch from you. God, I want want all these other things in this world. It cannot compare. It doesn't compete. I don't know if anybody can relate to me right now because I feel like crying because as I think about my life and I think about the journey and where I'm at right now and where God's calling me to be, I can look back at different encounters with the Holy Spirit where I feel God's presence, whether I'm in public and in private. I want to speak to all the young people in here this Wednesday evening that feel that that's doubting the existence of God. Let me tell you something about God. God is not trying to hide from you. God's trying to come at you. He's drawn close to you, and all you have to do is draw close to him. The scripture says when you draw close to God, you draw near to God, that he will draw near to you. I'm just telling somebody this Wednesday evening that God wants to fill you up with his peace, with his power, with his presence. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you vision and perspective All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. Somebody say, call on the name of Jesus. Man, I feel it this Wednesday evening. It's hard for me to describe what I feel in this moment because I feel like there's just a fire in my belly. I just feel like there's a word in my soul and my spirit that I need to get out to somebody. God is real. He loves you, and you need to have an encounter with God. Can't tell you. Can't tell you. I can't tell you all the time, man, multiple times in my past, from, from people that I trust, men and women of God, who operate in the gifts of the Spirit, that have speaking over me prophetically, and I look back over my life and the encounters that I had in, in God, through other people even, and I see myself walking, and I'm telling you, God wants you to encounter him, not one time. Guess what? You can encounter the Holy Spirit every single day. Oh, if you're hungry enough, you can encounter the presence of God. If you're in your car, you know if you're in your car, you put on some worship music, you sit and wait there long enough. Sometimes we just don't I, don't, I just want to sit on this for a minute. I feel like I need to sit on this for a minute because I feel like sometimes we don't wait long enough and therefore we don't experience God's full sovereignty and power and his anointing because we become impatient. Why do you, man, it's crazy. Some people will sit at the Chick-fil-A drive through for 40 and 30 minutes. Why? They're hungry and I guarantee you they're going to get a meal. I want to tell you something about God. Whenever you wait on the Lord, guess what? He's going to show up and you're going to feel his, oh, come on. You're going to feel his presence. He's going to remove the condemnation, the shame, the guilt, the depression, and those thoughts that God can do it. Come on, anybody believe that we serve a God? I could sit on this and talk about this, but we, we got we to go. We got to go. Anybody getting something out of tonight? The next place. So we know this. We have a fresh start in God, and then we can have an encounter with God. Step into more. Step into the abundant life. The next place that they stopped at is Jericho. They stopped at Jericho. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to pull up the scripture, but we know the story of Jericho, right? They go to Jericho, and we first see Jericho mentioned in the book of Joshua whenever the nation of Israel, they cross over the Jordan. And the first city that they come against is Jericho. 
it's not a huge city, but it had huge walls. It was very structured, very, like, very organized, and it almost seemed impossible that the nation of Israel was going to conquer Jericho in order for them to go into the promised land. But God gave Joshua word that as they went into battle, that God would, get, God would be with them and he would fight the battles for them. Oh, there's some battles in your life that are too big for you, but they're just the right size for God. And it says that they went and they're able to conquer the city, but the catch was that that city was going to be the first city. It was going to be the first fruits. It was going to be the seed that was sown. It would, all the possessions in it would be given back to God in order for them to have favor and blessings and in order for them to be empowered by God, God to meet them as they conquered the rest of the promised land. It was the seed that they, so this is what, this is what I felt like God told me to so, tell somebody. Jericho is a place of sowing. You want to write that down? Jericho is a place of sowing. Sowing is all about giving something to God, whether that is your time, your talent, your treasure, whatever that is. And I, I don't know, is it your time, your talent, treasure? And, and if you want a double portion in your life, if you want to live the abundant life, I want to encourage you to sow seeds into God's kingdom. So, and this is, I want to be really specific, and I don't want to get all shout and loud for, for right here just for a second, because I want somebody to hear this, because I believe this is powerful. I've seen this in my, in fact, you know what I've seen over the course of this church? Anytime that we've had a monumental moment and God opened up a big door for us, it's because we opened up a door for somebody else. Whenever God blessed us, with the property, five acres, and over $100,000. I'm going to say that one more time. And over $100,000 to buy the property from what person just had it on their heart because they saw it's because it happened right after we fed over 10,000 people here, partnered with the food bank, the Golden Crescent, housed people in these doors. We could, and that was in the middle of our building initiative. We could have sat on the sideline and been like, oh, we're not going to do much of anything. Like, we were, we're just going to be on the sideline. We got to take care of our own needs. We got to take care of this. But God had put it on our heart to take care of other people. See, it's an impossible to serve God without serving other people. A lot of us want to serve God, but you have to realize that in order to serve God, you got to serve other people. That's why Jesus said this. He said, whenever some people get to heaven, he's going to say, depart from me. I've, I've never, I never knew you. Or he's going to say, you can't, you, you've never clothed me. You never took care of me. You never, you never took care of my needs. And, and, and people are going to stand before him and say, what do you mean, Lord? I took, I, I, what do you mean? I never saw you like that. I never did that for you. But he said, whenever you do that to other people, it's like you're doing that to me. So you got to learn how to serve other people. In fact, that's why I tell people this. Time spent in God's house investing your, your talent and your time is never time wasted. It's not just thrown into a void of nothing, but you're sowing seed. And whatever you have in your hands, you'll have in your heart. Whatever you have in your hands, you'll have in your heart. And God's word promises that you reap what you sow. In fact, in the book of Galatians, he says that God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. See, I've learned that men add, Satan subtracts, but God multiplies. And there's some things in our life that in order for us to step into a double portion, we first have to release it and give it to God. See, in other words, sowing and reaping is a promise from God. And I want to tell somebody here this, e this evening, God's not going to be mocked. Wherever you've sown, you're going to reap that. Whether that's here on this earth, 
And I'm not just talking about financial and physical, tangible things, but there are some spiritual things that God can pour into your life. I believe in that. God is so faithful. He's, he sees everything that you do. But I want to tell somebody, whether you're here on this earth or you get to the next life and you stand before God himself, everything that you have sown, every time, all the talent, all the treasure, you're going to reap. And I want you to rejoice like that just spoke to you and you just got blessed with everything that you've sown. Man. Man, I, okay. If, if I, now, if, if, if we could be in heaven and see everything that we've sown come into a harvest and reap it, I feel like we would have given God much more praise than what we just gave him a second ago. Because if we saw everything that we've invested into God's house come into fruition and we saw it all as we look back, I'm telling you, I dare somebody right now to give God a praise like he's about to, re he's about to send back everything that you've sown. Come on, just for five seconds. Just for five seconds. Come on, this is the place that's on. One, two, three, four, five. Come on. Come on. Somebody say it's a place of sowing. Don't expect to make a withdrawal if you've never made a deposit. Don't expect to make a withdrawal if you've never made a deposit. If I went into a bank, but I didn't have a bank account at that bank, the people would be looking at me, looking at me like I'm crazy because I wasn't invested in any at all. I want to be invested fully into God's kingdom. I want to invest it fully into God. This is a safe place. I want to say that. This is a safe place. You can trust the pastors and the people here. You know, and, and no church is perfect. And no, 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 no church has their whole act together because we're all hurting people. We're all trying to, we're, we're never going to reach perfection. We're all trying to be just like Jesus. But I'm telling you what, this is a house where if we make a mistake, if we fail, if, if there's an offense in here, we should be the type of church that goes up to someone and admits their wrongs, admit, admits your own mistakes and say, I'm sorry. I'm going to forgive you just like Jesus forgave me. I'm going to move forward and move past this because God has forgiven me, and I'm going to forgive you. And, and, and we, we can be that kind of church. We, th this is a safe place. Then the fourth place. This is making sense to anybody this Wednesday evening. The next place, if you want to step into the abundant life that God has for you, the next place that you have to go to is Jordan. Somebody say Jordan. Jordan. This is where Elijah is taken up by God. And this is where we see Jordan being mentioned in Genesis chapter 13, verse 1. It says this. It says, so Lot chose for himself the whole plain. This is Abraham and Lot. In fact, I'm just going to read it. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Now, this is the place, Jordan is a place where Lot and Abraham parted ways due to conflict going on between the families and the space. They didn't have enough, they didn't have enough space. They didn't have enough supplies. Their, their, their shepherds, the their different people were, were not getting along with one another, and they had to part ways due to all that. And Abraham allowed him, uh, Abraham allowed Lot, his nephew, to choose which place to go. The Jordan is a place of parting ways. This can be a strong word for somebody. You cannot step into more. You cannot get to where God has called you to go sometimes unless you part ways with people that God is trying to part out of your life. See, sometimes, could it be possible that we're allowing some people to remain in our life 
We're trying to, and they're not beneficial for us to step into a double portion. Now, don't take what I just said and apply it to your marriage right now or anything like that, okay? I'm not saying that. But I am saying this, that there are some people in your life, some jokers in your life that are talking to you, whispering in your ear, and influencing you that have no business doing so. Who is it that you need to part ways with in your life? Who is it that is keeping you from becoming everything that God has called you to be? Who is it that is dragging you down? Who is it that keeps on convincing you to stop being obedient to the things of God and even coming to church? Who is it that is persuading you and convincing you to be disobedient to the God of the universe? Who is it that you need to part ways with? Because sometimes you cannot step into a double portion and you cannot step into more until you part ways with some people, some places, and some things. If you believe that this Wednesday, I'm just speaking from experience. See, sometimes in order to win, you have to know who to lose. And I'm not giving anybody in here permission to text that person that came to your mind whenever I said that and send them an angry text and be mean to them. The scripture says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute, persecute you. We don't fight evil with evil. We fight evil with love, evil with good. But I am saying maybe you need to set up some boundaries in your life with certain people and I wish, this is a great message for the students. I wish the, I wish the, I mean, I'm telling you, this is even a great message for us adults because I don't know about you sometimes, even at work to all the men or to the ladies, wherever you're at, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, sometimes we allow, even social media sometimes, come on, can we say something about that for a bit? Sometimes you have to part ways from social media for a little bit, from Facebook and from Twitter because you're seeing all the opinions of other people. They act like the world is on fire, like it's drowning. Like and that, That's the truth. Our, our world is not perfect. It's whatever. But I'm telling you, this. Jesus has won the battle. He has won the war. We have the victory in Jesus. And I'm not going to let any other people, person, or thing allow, influence me in a way where it affects my thinking, where God blesses me with something. He wants me to step into more, but because I'm allowing all the wrong people to come in and rob me and take from me and steal my focus, that I'm able to step into the abundant life that God has called me to live. I felt like rapping right there. I felt like Eminem for a second. It's like, yeah, da 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 Anyways, <laughs> is there some people in your life that are, that are holding you back that you have to part ways with in order for you to step into a double portion? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Think about that for a minute. Think about this. I know that's a strong word, but I'm telling you something right now. Whenever it seems like your circle is decreasing in size, it's actually increasing in value. I would much rather have four quarters than 100 pennies. I would much rather have some people in my corner. And I'm not saying to ignore the world and not reach out to people. And not, no, all I'm saying is you can either be the influencer or the influencee. Jesus hung out with the sinners. They called Jesus a friend of sinners. But it didn't say he was a sinner. <laughs> he was the influencer, not the influence. Anybody received that this Wednesday evening? Come on, stand to your feet as we get ready to close. Come on, Alicia. So let's, let's, let's get back. They, they go all around. They, they part ways. We know this is where Elijah is taken. And here's what's interesting as you study it. 
I'm going to wait for Alicia to play because I want this to hit you, okay? I'm about to just drop a bomb on somebody this Wednesday evening. It says that Elijah was promised a double portion. But if you look at Scripture, you'll find out that Elijah, who was his mentor, his leader, performed 16 miracles. But then if you look at Elisha, who, the one who received a double portion, he performed 31 miracles whenever he died. If you do the math, that is one short of a double portion. How could he have received a double portion, anointing, favor, and blessings on his life if he only had 31 miracles? Well, the Bible teaches us that whenever Elijah dies, and Elijah passes away, that he is buried in a cave. He's buried in a cave. His dead bones are in a cave. And it says that a group, and you follow it, look at the story, it happens right after. It says a group of Israelites are burying their friends. And it says while they're burying their friends, that a group of robbers and raiders see the group of Israelites about to bury their friend, and they begin to go towards them. And it says in the heat of the moment, the Israelites are in a rush. They're not able to give their friend a proper burial. So it says that they throw their friend in a cave. They throw their friend in a cave, and it happened to be the same cave, the same tomb that Elijah was buried in. And it says that the dead man touches Elijah's bones, and power leaves from Elijah's bones and the man who was once dead becomes alive and stands on his feet. So the 32nd miracle was performed during his death. All I came to tell somebody this Wednesday evening that just because you think something is dead doesn't mean that God still can't bring life through it. Because some of, oh man, some of us think that some dreams some promises from God, some things, some relationships are dead in our life and we think that we'll never experience the abundant life because of the mistakes that we made or other people made. But I came to tell somebody this Wednesday evening that we serve a God that even though something is dead, it's never too late for him. He can bring it back to life. Come on, shout to God if you believe that he's beginning to restore your marriage. He's beginning to restore opportunities that he's gonna, oh man, I'm telling you, I just felt so strong in my spirit that somebody has something in their life that you think is dead. But just because it's dead doesn't mean that God is done. The 32nd miracle that made Elijah's life, a double, a double portion of Elijah, happened after death. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.